I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract. From fertility to birth to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and the anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy winning months, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes, water wipes are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal to help protect and gently cleanse sensitive skin. As the number one baby wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. What does a family look like? We think it looks like love. And this Father's Day, Every Mum has a very special episode which celebrates two dads loving their little lady. Mark Davidson, one half of the Real Dads of Ireland Instagram account and co-founder of kidandco.ie, joins Sinead to talk about surrogacy, same-sex parenting, raising a girl to see an equal world and the legal challenges parents through international surrogacy fight in Ireland to be recognised as legal parents. The same fight we spoke to Renee van Medding about three years ago. A native of Australia, Mark met his Irish husband Damien and together they went through their surrogacy journey in the US. Now living and raising their daughter in Ireland, we talk about the moment Izzy was born, about how their relationship was stretched and strengthened, about unsolicited advice and how dads can receive more help from friendly strangers. This episode claps loudly for the amazing dads who are changing and challenging the old norms, the dads who love deeply, who share the work, and who want to create a better, more equal society for their children. A celebration of same-sex parenting, a celebration of fatherhood. Mark Davidson, thank you so much for joining me on this very special episode to mark two, two kind of things that are happening in close, in close proximity, one being Father's Day and one being Pride. We want to celebrate the dads and we want to celebrate the diversity of family love on this podcast. Oh, thanks, Sinead. So happy to be here today and to talk to you and thank you for shining a light on you know dads in general and and also pride month it's it's a it's it's nice to have that recognition uh, from people outside of our community to to take note and go hey there's there's a diverse family out there and these families are becoming more and more common and uh the more light that's shone on it the more i, I don't want to use the norm normal but it the more the norm of us families are becoming what i love about this is we talk about diversity and we yeah. talk about difference and change and all that kind of stuff. But actually, parenting is parenting. And when we are immersed in it, <laughs> you know, you are going through the same challenges. We just had a quick chat there about, you know, our daughters are starting school in September. And yeah. each and every milestone, it's like, I don't know how to do this bit. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From even doing their hair, you know, <laughs> you become a parent, and these things that you don't even realize, like, oh, I've got to do my child's hair. As they get older, all oh, different hairstyles. How am I going to learn that? We as, as same-sex couple, husbands, we have the same challenges as any other parent. We fill in the same paperwork as you do at school and, and everything like that. So it's, it's very similar. We all have expectations of parenthood. So mm-hmm. when you and your partner made the decision, okay, we want to do this. Yeah. How, how did that evolve into it becoming a reality? How become a reality? We've, honestly, from the day that we first met, we both spoke about becoming parents. And we were in our early 30s at the time. And I just settled to the fact that I was going to become a single parent because that's what it was going to be. But how was that going to happen? I had no idea. So we actually we went to a, um, a surrogacy conference in Brisbane, Australia. My husband, Damien, he's Irish, um, but he was living in Australia at the time. And we went to this conference that just opened up our eyes to what surrogacy was. But what the, opened our eyes the most was surrogacy wasn't just about same-sex people. It was about families that had fertility problems, um, people that had cancer treatments and and things like that where they couldn't conceive a child. And so we went to this conference, we learned lots about surrogacy and different countries that you could do surrogacy. And at that point, we're like, yep, we're just going to do this. We're going to become dads. And uh, our journey took us to America. And uh, we went through an agency in America. This is probably 2017. And actually, Isabel was born in 2017. Um, So the process started in 2016. We went through an agency, met an amazing surrogate, selected an egg donor through an agency. It was the time when Zika virus had broken out in America as well. And our fertility clinic was near the border of Mexico. So a lot of people going through fertility, such as egg donors, weren't able to go through the process because of Zika virus. And so we ended up, it was our 13th egg donor that we had selected was our, our final one. And and we always live by, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. So. As much of a roller coaster as it was going through all the different egg donors, uh, the one that was for us is what's produced our wonderful little Isabel. It seemed seamless, almost. Seamless, like... absolutely seamless. <laughs> <laughs> if I could tell you, and, and I hear so many stories about people that have been through surrogacy and by the time they get to surrogacy, they generally have been through IVF cycles or really tra- multiple miscarriages and loss and and trauma is trauma but years of it it's not just like a snap decision let's do it make this happen it's it's this ongoing and even i think for a lot of people accepting that surrogacy is their only option mm. is quite difficult for some people because they, the sense of i've failed or i'm not human because i can't reproduce and and that and but then you get to the surrogacy process and it has its own challenges again um, and then you've also got the post-birth challenges, which we, we might touch base on a bit later today. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm hopeful hearing your story that it I mean, you've made it. Obviously, you've, I know that you've, you've 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 shortened it down, but it seems like it was a welcomed process. You weren't mm. blocked in the way that we hear same-sex couples in Ireland experience when yeah. they start tapping on that surrogacy door. Yeah, the, the we, we weren't blocked. And the reason we weren't blocked is because we went through America. But Australia has very similar, similar 
legislation to Ireland, um, except Ireland just doesn't have legislation. But the legislation Australia does have is very restrictive, but it's not held in court because no one's ever challenged it in a sense. So we made the decision that we're going to become parents and nothing was going to stop us. But and you carry that with you. Yeah, let, that's what I was just going to say. Like, let that sit in for a minute that you're even here you are, you know, two grown adults making this mm -hmm. decision to care and love for another human, you know, both financially able to provide that life, uh, in love with each other to provide that sanctity of security. And yes, you know, your, your, your baby girl is growing up into the little person who's going to start school and there's still this kind of, legality situation hanging over mm. your head oh exactly and then when we moved to ireland the legality just still hangs over her head only one of us is recognized as her legal parent um which is absolutely heartbreaking that i can go take our daughter to a hospital and they can actually turn me away because i'm on the grounds that i'm not her legal parent or if Damien took her in, they could say, prove that you're a legal parent and potentially take her, turn her away or signing for a passport application or anything like that. Things like that just means that one of us is excluded without any knowledge, even though we're on her birth certificate as parent one, parent two, we're the only people that she's ever known as her parents. We were there for the birth. I cut the umbilical cord. She, she openly in the community people say oh you're out shopping with your daddy and she'll go yeah i've got two daddies and a tummy mummy and it, it stops people in their tracks being a little four-year-old saying that and they, they can't quite work it out but to her that's just the norm um but there is this, this legal issue that hangs over her head constantly we and are hearing we are hearing a lot about how, you know, the Irish government is trying to be more inclusive around kind of surrogacy bills. Mm. Um, however, it is it is not all inclusive. Not at all. And 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 I'll probably get myself in trouble saying this, um, Minister Donnelly, it, his speech the other day came across where it felt like he was blaming us for the holdup of the the human reproductive bill because we want international surrogacy included in that bill. Sorry, the assisted human reproductive bill. There's no provision for international surrogacy in there, even though they set up a committee to review it. And there was a lot of parents that were spoke to the Oireachtas and shared very personal information about their journey, probably having to relive a lot of trauma, a lot of things that you probably don't want into the public domain, but they're doing it because they understand the importance and they see how non-inclusive the actual Irish government is around certain families. And for many families, international surrogacy is the only option. Yeah, exactly. And so for international sur surrogacy to not be included in the bill, yeah. you know, that excludes already the families where that is their only option exactly and you don't know if your brother your sister your cousin your who in your family is ever going to need international surrogacy it could be their only resort last resort to have a child and and that by not having a bill in place is potentially going to prevent people from going ahead and doing it yes a lot of families do go ahead and still enter into and complete surrogacy journeys 
because that desire to have a family is just too great. Um, have we ever felt unprotected in Ireland? No, but it hangs over our head. It's probably not going to affect us personally, and I know it has affected other people. It hasn't affected us personally because no one's ever challenged us, but people can challenge us on it if they wish to. Um, and it's just not nice to have that hanging over our head. It's not nice to know that people down in the future are going to have to go through this as well. Does it feel like from the top down, you almost have to like justify your parenting, justify that? This is, this is real. This is your family in the same way that we had a chat before about the role of fathers, even, mm. you know, not just same sex, not just surrogacy, but just that there, you know, here are dads being the, the sole caregivers. Yeah, definitely. From the greater community, no, we don't feel that we're challenged, but it just pops up now and then. Like, for example, I was saying when we were, I was filling out school enrollment forms and it says mum, dad details or mother, father details. And you're like, well, there isn't a mother. She's actually got two dads. So do I, do I make a big statement here and cross out the mum and write dad? And, or do you just take the submissive approach and just, just go, no, dad's name, dad's name, and that's it. Um, and it, it's almost like someone, I was attending a, a workshop the other day about inclusivity and they were talking about um, same-sex people and how, oh, sorry, they're talking about um, gay people and how they have to come out or they do, everyone has this coming out story, um, but it feels like coming out stories, you're constantly having to tell it every time you meet someone new and they say, oh, you know, tell me about yourself and they, you say you've got a husband and then you feel like you have to explain to everyone once again and it's like that as a same-sex family that people i'm quite happy that people are curious and they do ask questions um about where izzy comes from and why she has two dads and stuff like that but you do there is a sense of constant challenge and then when the media is on board and they are trying to push these legislation through it's a constant reminder that yes we are a family we're two dads we have a beautiful daughter but it's not recognized by the law and it's not just to protect same-sex families, it's to protect all families. It's to protect the children of um, of these families. So it's not just about us, it's about everyone. Like I said before, it could be your sister, it could be your cousin, auntie, your brother, you just don't know when it's gonna, it's gonna crop up for someone. Tell me about the moment that you took her home. Uh, I took her home. Um, she, Izzy decided she, so our surrogate actually had a premature rupture at 29 weeks, um, which is quite early. And our surrogate was put on bed rest for five weeks and was in hospital. We're in Australia doing Zoom calls daily with doctors and it was quite scary. And, and they were saying, you know, she's potentially she's going to arrive the next seven days, but we'll see how she goes. And, you know, we eventually got to 34 weeks and they were in America. They're like, okay, yep, let's induce her. So we're on a plane to LA. Um, she's born down in San Diego and we arrived and they, they were giving the, the drugs to induce labor. Nothing happened for 24 hours. <laughs> like this girl does not want to come out. And then another 24 hours, things started happening and it just happened so fast. It really does. And it's just that realization. Oh my God, there's a little person <laughs> that's ours. <laughs> um, we could, because she was born at 34 weeks, she did have to go to intensive care for 10 days, which was 
absolutely an amazing experience because we had these nurses that were taught us so much and it just gave us this great confidence that it was we were dads we were we'd always had nieces and nephews around us but when it's your own it's this little precious little bundle of joy there's just no words for it really life-changing did you assume to particular like in my relationship and lots of different relationships you you see your partner in really different ways as soon as you become a parent totally totally and even I think they caught skin to skin the first time Damien was holding Izzy in the hospital and she had little tubes everywhere and stuff like that. I'm going to get emotional now. Uh, <laughs> it does. It just, you just see such a different style of, of each other and, and yourself as well. It drags out a different side of yourself. Um, it's something you never forget. Never forget it. But you had to leave that security of having those that team around you who were showing you how to do things and put the key in the door and be i don't know i think there's nothing as scary as that first car journey with this it is. It, and driving in a foreign country on the other side of the road and if, if you've been to america these motorways are ginormous and the speed of people and you honestly feel like you're probably the slowest person on the road you probably are driving the slowest <laughs> yeah. on the road and you're like this precious car going here don't come near me i think that's why walk... they have the stickers baby on board it's almost to be <laughs> yeah. like i like just just go around me just go around me go around me i am taking my time i've never driven this long in my life but today i will be but when you get home it's just like oh shit now what <laughs> And but Damien and I are big communicators with each other. So we decided from day one that we were going to do things on shifts. So he was the primary carer from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., I was the primary carer. It didn't mean that we wouldn't help each other out throughout the day or night, but it just gave us those boundaries and that routine for each other mm-hmm. that I knew, okay, I'm going to catch up on my sleep at this time and he's going to have his sleep at this time. And and it just worked so well for us. It really did. Um, we were in America for for the first five weeks. If I got that right, we were in America for five weeks. Five or six weeks we were in America. And then um, we actually came to Ireland for five weeks. And then we headed off to Australia. So what was it like traveling with her? It's like something you're, you're only just beginning to learn. <laughs> This little baby, and here you are going on transatlantic flights, and yeah. introducing her to your family. Yeah, it's it's it was easier then than it is now, that's for sure. Uh, like, piece of advice someone gave us was wherever you go, your, your child's going to come with you, yeah. and we that was the mentality that we took was, okay, we're just going to pack her up and she just comes with us, sort of thing, and it was great. It honestly, in hindsight, was amazing. But we went from this little bubble of us in America, Damien, myself, Izzy, doing our own thing, to coming to Ireland and having a baby shower, having a christening, having my mum fly over from Australia, all the friends and the families, and this overwhelming joy, but also this overwhelming amount of advice. And people were like, uh, hey, we're we've been doing this by ourselves for a few good few weeks now 
we've got this <laughs> but I and, I and I don't know if it was unconscious but people were just and maybe it happens to everyone that people just have to give you their advice when you've got this newborn and we were like trying not to take it on because we're two dads <laughs> that people were overcompensating and and going oh have you thought of this have you thought of that and we're like, well I've just been doing this for a good few weeks by ourselves and kept her alive so we're we're pretty confident um but it was amazing it was so amazing to come back to Ireland and 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 then to Australia to all our friends over there as well I'm encouraged to hear that that I feel is universal. <laughs> that every, <laughs> everyone wants to give everyone. Advice. Everyone loves giving the unsolicited <laughs> advice. And listen, some like sometimes there is gold in that advice, mm-hmm. um, and it is coming from a place of care. But yeah, I, I'd imagine there. It, sometimes you probably did look at each other and were like, "Is this? Is this because they're like? Do they trust? <laughs> do they trust us here?" Oh, exactly, exactly. But even the airline staff. You'd see this poor single mother or a parent traveling by themselves with three children, juggling bags and this, but as soon as there's two men with the baby, they come running. Oh no, you sit here, we'll do your bags, we'll do this, we'll do that. It was absolutely for us, it was brilliant. But you could see these poor other parents being left down the back of the plane, struggling and you know. And so is that gender bias does play. Oh, but, uh, God. But it was welcomed. I wasn't going to say no to it, that's for sure. But look, let's be fair. It is, you know, I think that women do have to put up with a bit of a hard time around mm-hmm. the expectation of how much we're supposed to take to this like a duck to water. Mm. And it's all, you know, so maternal and natural and we've got this and it's kind of our responsibility. And then, you know, who if you go out, it's like, well, who's the baby with? You're like, well, yeah. The the, the 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 other the other parent that you know there's <laughs> what why are we asking this um and listen like we can joke and it's fun but it's true my husband will go it's out with so the baby true. and the world will be like ah look isn't he great mm-hmm. i'm in a park my children are absolutely losing their shit around me and it's just like chaos and it's like oh she yep. doesn't she doesn't know what she's doing she, she, yeah. look at her now they're out of control so like there is there's this weight of expectation that is i think placed on women and i think dads are congratulated if they can kind of get through the day but on the other hand i think maybe they're not given their due respect for actually how much of a massive role certainly this generation of dads play Mm. in the, the lives of their children Definitely, definitely. And I've and I've got nephews who are 18 years of age now. And I remember, you know, picking up from daycare and dropping off at daycare for my brother and his wife. And it was all mums. It was just mums that you'd see around you. But now I take Izzy to preschool and most mornings it's nearly all dads and a few mums. But then I see the mums in the afternoon. So I've seen over the last 18 years myself this big trend of it's been more balanced where there seems to be more dads involved in there and um, which is great to see because it literally was 18 years ago. I just remember if I went and picked up my nephews from daycare, it would be just all mums doing the the drop-offs and pickups and that was it. And I like raising a girl, do Mm -hmm. you even take that on more that it's like she needs to grow up seeing how like that's not just her place that's not just her future it's like no yeah. we share it all yeah definitely Every, everything and 
last thing we want her to to feel is is stereotyped into that 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 you know she needs to be a girl she needs to do this and she needs to do that we we don't want that we're, we're probably actually polar opposite but then she is into pink everything is pink 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 which is great because that's what she wants we're happy with it um but we don't want we, we're so happy that she is going to see that she has two dads that both work that take turns in housekeeping that take turns in doing school activities dance classes and you know we, we might split things like damien might do the swimming lessons and i'll do the dance classes to to balance it out um and i don't know we don't have that expectation put on us that one of us has to do everything because of our gender because we don't have two different genders in our in our family so we kind of just naturally evolves that we share everything and she and she's going to see that but what i'm saying that you know she does have a friend at school and he's got two mums so it, it for her it probably doesn't seem any different and um in time it will be you know we will have her involved in things and you know we she has a, one of her favorite books is called princess kevin and it's about this kid that wants to it's a fancy dress day at school and he just wants to wear a dress so she's got books and things like that because she she even at this age of four is like boys don't wear dresses and she must be picking that up from school I don't know where she's picking it up and in time I think it will develop and um, she will notice that her family is slightly different than others but we we always do talk about you know families are different there's some kids don't have parents who've got grandparents or you know, someone else's family is helping them out and they're staying with that family. And some families, two mums, two dads, all shapes and sizes. But it's just about how we all look after each other. Exactly. It's just, we just treat everyone like how we want to be treated. Um, and it's, it, I don't know, maybe we sometimes live in our little pink bubble and we just get on with our life and we don't really we've been fortunate not to receive any much negative backlash from people. Um, I know it does happen though. It really does. Yeah. And, and it will come a time where she will experience it and we'll just have to take it as it comes. I actually don't have the answers on how we're going to take it. And I think our response is, is that we, from day one, we've always just said to her, families are different, you know, and, and she can talk to us about anything. And I know even yesterday in the car, Damien and her went swimming and she started, She just said, Papa, let's Damien, do I have a mummy? Even though she knows about her, her tummy mummy and her egg mummy and how she's conceived and stuff like that. I think sometimes just that reassurance that she is made up of this unique blended family. And, and normally when she does say things like, do I have a mummy? We say, yeah, you've got a tummy mummy. I'm sorry, I can't mention the name uh, for legal reasons. And you're an egg mummy, but you've also, um, her auntie, she calls mummy Jill because her cousin's the same age and he calls her mummy and her name's Jill. So Izzy just put it together and calls her mummy Jill. And you've got your granny and you've got your nanny and you've got this la la and you've got this other person. So to make her feel she has a big community around her because she does. And I think that's what will give her a sense of connection, a sense of protection as well. Um, and, you know, she's entering school. God knows what's going to happen. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it takes a village, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I love that. Like, it's not just whether it's a single parent, whether it's same-sex parents, whether it's, you know, mummy and daddy, whatever the setup, it still takes that village. 
that that's surrounding. Yeah. And and everyone that she has a touch point with all adds that love and security to her. Mm, Definitely. Definitely it does. Um, and I and I think that's what you know. We I do say we're in our own little bubble when we just get on with it, and we we try not to let that top staff from the government down impact that. It would be nice if she got to an age where she didn't even have to worry about it, or she didn't even have to know about it. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, she probably will, and you know, these things happen. There are, of course, some um, some stages, some phases that do test us. I love how you so breezily were like, yeah, like I was, I was like, you know, head parent from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And you're yeah. to go like, that means you like, when, when did you sleep? But <laughs> yeah, I, I watched about 10 seasons of um, Orange is the New Black. Like it was <laughs> literally stayed up all night watching. And then I was, Damien would get up at seven and that was it. I'd just crash. You'd crash. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's, it's not always easy and it's not, you know, it's not while our hearts and our dreams are, we want this family, you know, the day to day running of it mm. is always tricky. Talking about the workplace before we've had to challenge some of the norms in if there's a child, a sick child, traditionally, the mother would probably take the day off work. And for us, that's not an option. It is literally one of us parents has to take a time off. And, and for us, what we've done is, if we're just taking it in turns, you know, I know you did it last time. It's my turn to take a day off. And our employees have just had to accept it because they can't put that gender biases on it. Um, so we've had to break some norms for a lot of, a lot of people that we worked with and employers and all sorts of things like that over the years. Tell me more about that though, because I suppose for context mm. for anyone who's listening. So a couple of days ago, I was asked to speak on Pat Kenny around a new EU bill, which is coming in to encourage um, all member states to, to basically enable um, paid leave for parents and caregivers if there is a sick child or if the person that they're caring for is ill. And basically it goes back to the whole pandemic. If a child sneezed and they were excluded and parents are all like, well, how am I supposed to do this? Um and it was in no way a mother policy it's not a maternal policy and yet a texter on that radio piece was like well this is completely going to discourage me from hiring women and i was it was just in that moment there's that crystallized thing here we were talking about kind of parents Mm -hmm. as you know carers and protectors of little humans and straight away it was like yeah, well, that well, obviously the mother is the one who's going to take these days and disappear and abuse the system, and not be a productive employee. Yeah, and and I just felt like, firstly, outrageously angry on behalf of mothers, but really disappointed for dads that there's just this sort of belief that well, that's that's not their place. And when I challenged it, I was met with the response from the presenter. By saying, well, you know, when kids are sick, they want their mammies. Mm. Like, is that again, that that to me again was like, that's not fair. It's not fair. It's not true. They want the person who they have that repetitive interaction with. And if that's always going to be the mother, then that's who they'll want. But mm. that, does that not create that bias that it's like, well, well dads, A, don't know how to care. And yeah. B, 
mums are the ones who are going to abandon their careers first. Yeah, exactly. I, I was listening to the show and I was listening to you talk and and the whole time I was just thinking, our daughter doesn't have that as an option. Yeah. You know, she doesn't have a, I need my mummy, I need my mummy. She just, whoever she feels is the right person for her is who she will ask for at that time. And, and it is so unfair that they were putting it on to women, particularly, that it was their role. It was their responsibility. They should be the ones not taking advantage of this new legislation. Um, and that employer that texted in saying, well, what, why would you hire females if that's going to be the case or, or parents? And it, it just shocked me at how far we've still got to come in, in um, inclusion and equality for people, especially in the workplace. But how did it feel being a dad who is deeply committed to that caregiving? You know, it, it, here's two dads and it's, it's almost yeah. this belief of like, well, you guys can't do that part mm. of this. You know, it's okay. You're, you, you're the park yeah. parent, you know, for the fun bit. That, that to me is like doing you out of such an injustice. Completely. And, and, I, and I did feel for any dads that were listening out there. And I do feel a lot of times that dads don't get the recognition that they deserve. Um, I know if my, my own brother, he's got four boys and he was probably a bit of a trendsetter in his day. His wife went back to work before he did because he, he wanted to be at home with his kids and the backlash that they got, why is she going back to work after the six weeks? She's just had children. Uh, what's wrong with the, the dad at home looking after the kids? And they had twins, you know. He was more than capable to look after the kids by himself. And she was more than capable and wanting to to get back to the workplace because that's what suited them and that's what they wanted. And and, I felt, and probably at the time, because I wasn't a parent myself, I didn't actually acknowledge enough how excluded he probably felt himself. And and probably a lot of dads do feel excluded and, and I do love what Father's Day does bring. It does just bring an acknowledgement that there are so many dads out there that do so much for their families and, and they just don't get the recognition for it. One of the ways that I think I've kind of survived parenting to this point is that inclusion of community and, and mm. connecting with, and it is, it's connecting with women. It's connecting with mm -hmm. other women who will have, you know, are, it's very stage based as well. I think like yeah. women who literally have the same age as my first child and, and same age as my second child, because they just, they're so closely crystallized in it. But right. I am ever conscious that it must be very hard to make those connections as dads. You know, there just isn't the same. Like you look at like the mom and baby groups and the mom and baby yoga yeah. and the baby mass. There, there is a culture set up to enable new friendships to be created mm -hmm. across like female strangers that have never known each other before. And within two seconds of sitting down with two prams are like, so how, you know, how dilated were you when the contraction, like you're <laughs> yeah. straight in there, like, you know, um, I, 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 that's not there for you. No, it's not. It's not. And I actually never really thought of it until now, but it, it it's clear as day that there isn't that, they sort of groups around for, for that fathers. Oh, I don't know of any that are around for those fathers. And 
and I think online Facebook there is a few gay dad chat groups as well. So it is we for us we do have that sort of connection and you, you share your stories and things like that. And it probably is more around the shares that we do share. It's not about being dilated and stuff like that. It's probably about the biases against legislation. And it's probably and it's not actually focused on the parenting as dads and it's probably, and I don't know why maybe men don't talk about their feelings as like that or, or what it is. And once again, there's a ger general stereotyping for genders. Um, for us, we do have a few chat groups on Facebook. Um, there's like Gay Dads of Ireland and Gay Dads of Australia and, and a lot where you can share that sort of thing, information. But, you know, you don't see groups of dads in general in the park with their kids, do you, having coffees and, and talking about, you know, enrollment forms and all those different school policies and who's got chicken pox this week and all that sort of stuff. I think it, it it's easier to kind of, it kicks in maybe later when they're in activities and sports and you can yeah. have conversations there, but definitely in that baby and newborn, you know, phase when you are so vulnerable and feeling mm -hmm. like, you know, as much as I do want to, to not take on all that unsolicited advice, there are doubts, there are, you know, there are moments and, and why did this not work today, but it did yesterday. Yeah. And you desperately want to do the right thing all the time mm. because this is the this is the little person that you were going to love most in yeah. your whole world. Definitely, definitely. And in those really early days, we, I think traditionally women do take take time off work because that's expected of them. And that's what I was saying about my brother and his, his wife. It was expected of him to return to work. But she's like, no, I actually want to go back to work. And, I, and it was a big challenge. It's going back 18 years ago now. And I think it was such a big shock to a lot of people. They were lucky that they're both public servants at the time and the government allows a lot of flexibility around that. But it was such a shock for everyone around their, their friends. They're like, what do you mean? What do you mean she's going back to work? Why aren't you stay? Why, is she a bad mother? You know? Um, and it probably it still does go on a lot today that there are a lot of dads that probably would like that time at home to bond with their child in those early days, but we don't get that opportunity. And I think what we need to see from day one is being able to share that what we call maternity leave. Yeah between either partner of either mm. gender after yeah. the point with which the birth mother feels physically capable and able mm. to return to work so that either gender has the opportunity of being in sole responsibility mode of that baby because that's yeah. where the bonding occurs and that's where the learning and the development and the, the yeah. figuring out occurs and you feel like I'm I've, I've got this now I've got it yeah you know, where you lock one away for work for 12 hours a day, five days a week. Mm. And then, you know, that's that's why we think, well, the mom is supposed to do X, Y and Z. Yeah, exactly. Damien and I were both fortunate enough. We took four months off together when Izzy was first born. We, ha we had to self-fund it. You know, we had to include yeah. that in our costs of doing surrogacy. But it was a choice that we made to, to put our careers on hold for those four months. And we we're lucky that we worked for companies that supported it. Um, but, you know, that's a luxury that we'll probably never get again. We work for different companies now and I'm not saying that I've approached my employer and asked them, but, it, you know, potentially it wouldn't happen again if we had another child. But those first four months were just this, you know, this bonding time and so many milestones 
and your confidence as a parent grows so much in those early stages and yeah every day is a new challenge but they, they, they're less and less challenging as they get a bit older but in those baby baby stages in the first six months you just you're questioning everything that you do i couldn't imagine having to think about working full time and then coming home to do feeds and nappies and washing and I, I just couldn't imagine how it, how it would have worked. I, I guess people do it and they just get on and they make it work. And I can see why one parent does tend to default because it would be so hard, but we were lucky that we were both able to do it. And um, it's time that we would never get back again. This podcast is just one way that every mom can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. We cover it a lot on this podcast, and, it, mm. and rightly so, but around the issue of maternal mental health. Yep. Um, and it's often it's often triggered and related to you know the hormonal fluctuations that are going on because of you know the growing of the human the exiting of the Mm -hmm. human but there's definitely going to be lifestyle implications going on here too okay you know you know the change in your life and the change in sleep and the change in your (laughs) exercise opportunities or even kind of nutrition opportunities (laughs) exactly you know I will eat that slab of chocolate and that's my five a day um so as to as to men yeah coming into this without any of the kind of the the birthing responsibility on either partner in this relationship do you and again it's only your experience of course we can't Mm. we can't generalize but you know how do you think over the course of the last you know four years or so there have been times where you felt like hang on i need to check my mental health here 100 percent 100% and everything that you mentioned the fatigue the diet the lack of exercise the social exclusion is probably a big one because you don't have that social it you you potentially you're you're limited to your social for us the social getaways and the experience whereas trying to organize a babysitter you know we're not short of volunteers for babysitting that's for sure but also the trouble of it can also be annoying like trying to car seats to this and that you know the factors in by the time you get through it you're like okay, i'm just too exhausted to go out socialize do anything um all those factors do and you do need to check in and go how am i feeling like am i being an effect am i being a present parent as well and that's another thing i've had to really be mindful over the years is it's easy to get caught up in your work and do this and do that but there's actually a little human that needs me more so than my employer um and before we moved to Ireland I was in a job that required me to travel I was away sometimes from Monday to Friday so Damien was the default parent and I in hindsight probably didn't check in on him enough and say how are you doing Is, you know I've been away for five days yes I've missed you poor me I've missed you so much but what about poor you <laughs> that's actually been a parent for 24 7 for the last five days and I in hindsight probably didn't check in enough and go how are you is everything okay but just being the the dad that he is he just got on with it and, and may do um so that would be my tip to anyone is, is if, if they're in a relationship and the parents checking in with each other 
really do. And if someone needs that space, give them that space. Let them go for a walk. Maybe even push them out the door and say, let yourself have it just take a 15-minute walk and clear your head because it happens. It builds up. It really does. That's what's so, like, it's, it's really refreshing to hear that because I feel like sometimes it's placed, it's another thing that maybe is, it's all mm. on the women again. You know, like we're, mm-hmm. in one way, we're the ones who were, it's, it, it's allowed to happen to. Yep. you know in one way but we're also given the chance to talk about it in another mm. way and maybe there are men there are parents there are dads out there who the life of a parent you know is creating challenges for them that they feel yeah. like firstly they're not allowed to express or they don't have anywhere to express it to yeah definitely definitely and and if they've got nowhere to express it to they're probably their next best person is is who they who's next to them and but they're probably too proud to actually speak up and um it's okay to ask someone are you okay it, it's okay to ask that it's okay to say to someone just not yourself you know do you need some time out or even treat them to something you know it, it's perfectly okay to do that it does it, it builds up and it can happen quickly <laughs> and it doesn't take away the love it doesn't mean that it doesn't exactly... not at all not at all you have decided to make life even busier though because you do also have your own business together so that's another added pressure i suppose in the the relationship sphere oh yes added pressure for sure it is um so we set up a, a, a business called kid and co.ie and the reason we set it up was we were, as new parents, we found that if we wanted nice gifts for ourselves, because we do like to spoil ourselves, or if we wanted to buy nice gifts for our friends, and we had to go to so many different shops to find them. And then you end up in, I won't name any large retailers, and, end up, and you'd end up buying all this plastic stuff and things like that. And... For Izzy, we really wanted her to, because she was a premature baby, one of the, the nurses I remember saying clearly to us was make sure everything's very bright and playful and helps with their vision and their motor skills and things like that. And from day one, so ever, since she's been a parent, we've we've always bought items that are sustainable and the wood and the, the, they're not plastic and they're not going to break. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those sort of toys. I don't like the sound. I know it sounds weird. I don't like the sound of plastic toys. I just couldn't imagine. I prefer the sound of wood toys. If she's going to be throwing something at me, I want it to be wood and feel nice when it hits me. Um, so we set up this business called kidandco.ie. So it's an online business. And we wanted things to be from different companies around. So we've got suppliers from Australia. We have suppliers from Spain. We have suppliers from Germany and different books and things like that. Um, so it's a quite a diverse business, but it was designed out of creativity and the love of play pretty much. And, and we have our own little product tester in our daughter. So she's very happy that we set up this business and she can't understand why all these other boys and girls get all these toys and she doesn't. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's kept us busy, especially at Christmas time. There was a few sleepless nights at Christmas leading up to Christmas. Um, as well so but we we appreciate all the support and everyone's just welcomed the business so much um we're just thankful for everyone that's embraced it 
because I guess it was just a nice simple concept um, and it's just slowly growing really just just tipped away at it and it's growing each time and you do you have a sense of pride in it um, and I, it is nice because you know I saw my parents always self-employed uh, for years and years and I saw struggles of them being in small businesses and, and things like that so I was very skeptical to start with I was like oh no you know why are we doing this to ourselves do we need to add another complexity to life in general life is busy enough as it is and um big faith in Damien and yeah he went ahead with it and he's made it happen and um it, it, yeah it's going well do you think parenting and Izzy has made you more courageous 100% have to be have to be more courageous it really has uh it's soft it's made me more courageous it's made me softer it's made me view life through a different lens and and Damien will say the same thing you you stop and you appreciate the world so differently when you hear your kids speak and you hear your kids see your kids brain developing in a sense that they're learning new things and they're having little fights at school and you're like oh if you only really knew what a proper fight in the real world was like sort of thing and you're just seeing the world again they just make you they make you feel like you're a kid again yourself Hmm. because you're really experiencing everything like you did as a kid and you you realize that you know, your work problems aren't that bad. You know, there's this whole other person there that that's finding their feet in the world. And and as much as you want to protect them and do this, this is going into that school phase as well, that whole new world. It's, it's a bit scary. I'm not it's ready. It's scary. I'm not ready. <laughs> exactly. And she, she tells me she is and she no, can't wait. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> if only what you know is coming. <laughs> Oh, we need a September starting school support group. I think so. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Make them yeah. babies again. Just Make wanna... them babies. Oh, yeah. Softened. Yeah, definitely. I want to go back. All those phases that I was wishing to, to fly by, I want to do them again. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, like, more, yeah. I'm more scared of what's to come. But for those that are beginning this journey I suppose mm-hmm. what sort of obviously they'll they'll find they'll find whatever route to parenthood that that suits and supports their needs best but in terms of I suppose just just that that first step that yeah beginning you know um possibly I don't know maybe once you're on a path it goes mm. from there what advice would you give though for anybody who is just ready really ready in their hearts to begin this process to become a parent definitely if if it's what you want just go ahead and do it do your research um especially around the surrogacy it can be very easy to get caught up in the glossy magazines of these ivf clinics and that i internationally it is a big business it really is and i don't know about ivf clinics in ireland um I haven't had any experience with them or anything like that. So I'm not talking against them at all, but it can be very easy to get caught up in the process. And when I say that I've met people that we met actually in America, they were from Australia. This was six years ago and they still haven't actually gone any further because they're caught up in the process of trying to select egg donors and surrogates and this and that really work out what, what you want Mm. as a fan, like what you're, 
obviously your end goal is to be a family, but what's important to you both communicate if you're in a partnership, communicate with each other. Don't be afraid to go, this is my wants as a parent. This is my wants as a parent. It's okay. If you're doing it as a single person, know there is a community around you that will support you no matter what. Even as a couple, there is a community around you that's going to support you. There's some really good organisations such as um, Irish Families Through Surrogacy, Equality for Children, Irish Gay Dads as well. They're all really good support groups that will help you through um, surrogacy journeys. There's also another one, and I can't remember off the top of my head, I think it's um, Growing Families, which is it's actually an Australian organisation, but they do come to Ireland and do seminars over here about surrogacy. Um, yeah, it's definitely growingfamilies.au, I think, or .org, sorry, it's growingfamilies.org. Um, great resource. So they look at all different countries around different surrogacy options. Um, so it's quite a good neutral information source. Reach out to people that have been through surrogacy before. And I'll put my hand up and say, please get in contact with us. More than happy to share our journey. And remember, it's our journey. Your journey might be very different. Um, we were lucky that we knew people that had been through surrogacy before and we'd been able to speak to them about their lessons learned and things like that. You just take on board what you want from their journeys don't think that's because their journey ended up that way that yours is going to be the same way. Um, yeah, that's where it, it, it's, it's complex, it's long, but it's worth it. It really is. And what do you want to see changing this Father's Day? No, I want to see if I had a magic wand, what I would see changing is to be recognised both parents of children born through surrogacy to be recognised as the parents of those children. Really wish it would happen. I know it. I know it's just a legal thing. It's a political issue, but it will mean so much to future families, and it will just give that extra sense of protection to families. And this is not just an LGBTQI issue. This is actually a, an issue for all families potentially that are needing to go through surrogacy and the children to be protected by the state mm -hmm. by being given the security of knowing that the two people in their lives that have loved and protected yep. and and been their parents all along will legally be recognized legally recognized and, and it's actually not that big of an ask it really isn't <laughs> we have a piece of paper that and court documents that say we are her parents um, but that could be thrown out the door at any time if, if um, someone wanted to challenge it. Crazy. I know, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it, it's just too crazy. It, it, it is, even though the surrogate in most cases has no biological connection to the child, the surrogate in Ireland, even if it's an international surrogate, is recognised as the mother. Um, the laws just haven't caught up with modern technology or modern families. It's beyond how the bureaucracy is not listening um, mm. and and creating a lot of noise, but not a lot of change. Exactly. And yeah, they're saying that they're willing to put legislation in around domestic surrogacy in, in Ireland. But there's a whole generation of kids born through international surrogacy because that 
has been the only choice for Irish families because there has been no legislation in Ireland around surrogacy. And so recognition of international surrogacy is it's going to be vital in the protection of families. How are you both going to mark this Father's Day? Um, I don't know. We haven't even thought about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, who gets probably... who gets to have this to the gets to have the sleep in the morning? Who gets to lie on? <laughs> Traditionally, a Sunday would be Damien. Uh, Sunday mornings, we normally ring my mum in Australia, FaceTime her, and is in her having a good chat and catch up. Because um, because of, of COVID, my mum hasn't been able to leave Australia and come to Ireland, so. She'll be coming shortly, and it's been almost three years since she's seen Izzy in, in the flesh. Um, so this Sunday it will be Damien that will be having a nice sleep in. And so traditionally Saturdays I get up, I, I have my lay on, on Saturdays and Damien has his on Sundays. Well, I hope you both have a very lovely weekend. And thank you. you too. Thank you so much for joining me, for being so open and honest and sharing and inviting people to, to ask you questions. Yeah. Um, in all of this, the whole point is that it is a community. We're all figuring mm. stuff out on a daily basis that somebody else somewhere has been through. And if we yeah. can at least connect with somebody who has gone before us, it should make it that little bit easier and a little bit more comforting. Definitely. And if anyone wants to reach out or has any questions around surrogacy or even immigrating to Ireland with a family and things like that, feel free to contact us We're on Instagram, um, The Real Dads of Ireland. And they can get us in contact there. More than happy to answer any questions um, and help out where we can. Thank you so much, Mark. And oh, my, my love tonight. to your wonderful husband and your gorgeous girl, Izzy. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Mark, one half of The Real Dads of Ireland on Instagram. <laughs>